Please help me welcome J. Lauren Norris. When I was in the Air Force as a young man, 22, 23 years old, I used to actually make a little extra money on the side as a babysitter. As a babysitter. Figure that out. Yeah, a young, single guy in his 20s babysitting. And I used to think I had it all figured out. It was really funny, though. There was one day that I was in the BX and the two little people that I was babysitting were acting crazy across the room. And I was standing in line trying to get their food. And when I saw them climbing on the top of the booth, I just yelled, sit down. And they both sat down immediately. I didn't touch them. I was 50 feet away from them. But a dad in line next to me, trying to hold the hand of his toddler, looked me in the eye and said, do you teach parenting classes? How in the world did you do that? I was 22. I had no kids of my own. I was just a babysitter. Let me ask you a question. Who do you ask for advice? That's what I want to talk about in this episode of Leading Leaders. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. And I can tell you throughout the course of my life, I've always been just a little bit different than the average bear. I've also always been the kind of person that just doesn't take the status quo for a status quo. I had, I'm, I'm unwilling to accept that there's nothing new to learn. I'm unwilling to accept that we have it all figured out. Not me, not we, not everybody, not universally. We don't have it all figured out. There are still things to learn. There's, there's a constant cusp of new information. I also realize there are a whole lot of people out there who have opinions that are unqualified. And I've learned that both by observation and the hard way. I remember working on my first car in the front yard in front of my mother's house. We had the hood up. It wouldn't start. We realized if we primed it, we could get it to start. And so we would pour gasoline into the top of the carburetor of this old Ford 460 and a Mercury Marquis. That thing was bigger than an aircraft carrier. You could have landed a C5 on the trunk lid of this car and two of them on the hood. It was enormous. But as we were trying to get this old car started, it would crank, 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 crank. And if we poured gas right into the carburetor, we could get it to start. And of course, being teenage boys, we thought... Well, if a little gas makes it start, a lot of gas will make it run. So we poured a lot of gas in it. When it exploded out of the top of the carburetor and burned all of that fiber stuff off the inside of the hood, my friend looked at me and he goes, well, I think you need a new canutinator valve. And I just looked at him and I said, where do you get one of those? And dummy me, I believed that he was right that I needed a canutinator valve. I can tell you it's been a couple of decades since then. I have never found a canutinator valve. My son works in a parts store now and they don't have canutinator valves. I don't know what one would do if you did find one or what it would have to do with the carburetor blowing up. We just put too much gas in the top of a four barrel. That's all there was to it. Nice little backfire, small little explosion, cooked off the under. Yeah, we eventually got the old car running, but it had nothing to do with the canutinator valve. Of course... There were many times that he told me it was a canutinator valve, a broken chair, a crashed bicycle, the bathtub we turned upside down and drug in the snow. Every problem had to do with the canutinator valve. 
I finally asked him, where did you learn about the Knuton intervalve? And he said, oh, I learned about that when I was in the Army. <laughs> he was 16. Never been in the Army. Wasn't old enough to get in the Army, much less have been in the Army and got out. There's no way. It's just not true. It just couldn't be true. And some of the advice that you get today, it's the same kind of advice. When people hire me as a coach, I'm really clear on what I do. I'm also really clear on the things that I've had to do for myself because I haven't found anybody else yet that can really master that for me at a reasonable cost. Oh, there are a lot of people out there who will walk you through their process. I, I actually had a coaching client say to me one time at the end of our 90-day cycle, she said, you know, you're not like all the other coaches that I've worked with and I've spent over $100,000 on coaches. A, a lot of them... They have this process where you follow it, and at the end of the process, you're just like them. I mean, you don't learn to do anything on your own. You just learn to do exactly what they did because, obviously, that's the success you're buying, right? And I said, well, I, I guess that's the way other people work. It's not the way I work. She said, no, I, I, I realize that, and I kind of like the way you work because you, you didn't teach me to be like you. You taught me how to think for myself in a new way, and I thought to myself... Isn't that what it's all about in the first place? Isn't, isn't learning about learning how to learn better, how to absorb more information? I mean, I, I can show you that my library, there's, there's a couple of books in my library. I mean, just a couple, but that's like a third of it. There's boxes upon boxes that won't fit on these shelves. And for what you can see in the camera, there's actually more on the other side of the room that don't show up in that camera angle. But I read a lot. I study all kinds of weird stuff. Religion and politics and language and communication and storytelling and leadership. And all of those things that I study, they, they have some common ground. They have some common core in the way that you learn, the things that you absorb and the rules that you apply and the principles that are universal. And one of those comes from one of my mentors. I started reading leadership books when I was in my 20s, about the same time I started babysitting. And the first leadership book that I wrote was called Becoming a Person of Influence by John Maxwell. I've been studying John Maxwell now for over 30 years. He's got a lot of wise things to say. One of those things that he says on a regular basis is, it's not just what you learn, it's who you learn it from. I mean, if you want to pay me enough, I'll be delighted to teach you what I know about basketball. It'll take about eight minutes. It's a round ball. They play in four periods. You got to throw the ball through the hoop from a distance. And usually the further away you are, the more points you get for it. If you get really good at it, you can make money. That's it. That's the extent. I was kicked off the basketball team in the seventh grade. Because I elbowed a guy in the ribs on a free throw shot, or excuse me, on a, on a breakaway layup. They ended up getting a technical. I got thrown out of the game, and the coach said to me, why don't you just stick with football? That was the end of my basketball career. In the seventh grade, I've played a couple of times since then. I'm still no good at that game. I cannot dribble with both hands. I can't shoot to save my life. A game of horse, I'm usually the last guy in. There you go. But if you want to pay me to teach you about basketball, I will take your money. And you will be a fool for paying me to teach you anything about basketball because I know nothing about basketball. 
I am not a neurosurgeon, but I study a lot of neurosciences. I'm not an electrician, but I did go to school for electronics engineering. There's a big difference from having studied it and being an expert. There's even a difference between being an expert and having studied it and just having an opinion about it. Oh, and trust me, especially in things of faith and politics and leadership and social media, there are a lot of opinions that are, well, frankly, they're unqualified opinions. These people don't know what they're talking about, but they very emphatic that you should listen to them. I know this. This sounds cruel and pompous, but I do it sometimes on purpose. If you catch me, call me on it. I won't be embarrassed. I will be flattered that you're paying enough attention. But there are times that I will intentionally say things where I'll throw a word into a sentence that doesn't belong there, or it sounds a lot like the right word, but we're not even talking a homonym. I remember telling someone one time, I, I bet you sleep really well with all of the melatonin in your skin. And they laughed and gave me a high five and said, yeah, actually I do. I sleep well. I sleep very well. And I thought to myself, do you have melatonin in your skin or melanin in your skin? And I don't know, maybe they take melatonin at night as well, but those are two totally different things, two totally different words. They sound a lot alike, and it's easy to mistake one for the other, but if you're not paying attention to what I say, then why would I keep talking? If I'm giving you advice and it's not being applied or heeded or accepted or received, then what good is it? Now, I understand that unsolicited advice well, it's usually worth exactly what you paid for it. If you didn't ask for my opinion and I'm determined to give it to you, then it's probably worth exactly what you paid for it. Nada. But if you're going to pay me for advice, if you're going to pay me to teach you to do what I know how to do well, tell better stories better, then not taking my advice or not heeding my advice or even just hearing it. I understand there are some people that, and I... I ask my coaching clients this on a regular basis. When I help them to recraft a story, when I'm done, I ask them all the same first question. Does that feel real to you? Have I embellished? Have I added? Have I changed words? Have I, have I put words in there? And here's one of the most common things that I hear. I didn't say those words in that story, but they are as true as everything I did say. Because one of the things that I've worked really hard at is the skill of reading people. I want to be able to understand what it is that you're thinking and saying when you're telling your story so that when I help you to retell your story, I can better articulate even what you left between the lines, what you didn't say. Maybe what you were afraid to say or didn't know how to say. That's my job. That's what I do well. But if I do that with you, I provide that service to you and you choose not to use it or you refuse to follow the processes that I put in front of you. I don't give your money back, but I will tell you, your results are not going to be the same. Well, any advice that you pay for is actually going to cost you more than the cost of the invoice. Let that one settle in for a minute. It's one thing to go to a coach, go to a mentor, go to an advisor and say, hey, help me with this. Maybe your tax advisor, maybe your financial advisor, maybe your speech coach, maybe your leadership coach, maybe your organizational structure coach, the person you know that helped put your whole hierarchy together, your org chart, your personnel development plan. And you take their advice after you pay them for it, but then you don't actually accept it as good advice or apply it 
to the way that you live your life. Well, it's going to cost you more because, well, on the one hand, you may have to pay to learn that again. If you didn't get it right the first time, it may cost you more because you lose people or you lose time or you lose the value of money over time. If you don't act on the advice that you're given, then what good was the advice? And if you have to pay for it again because you didn't act on it the first time and now it's changed, it just cost you more than you thought it was going to. But see, the most expensive advice is that advice that you never bother to ask for. You know, when you think you got it all figured out on your own, I'm too smart by half. I don't need your input. I've already got this. I remember a, a coaching client that hired me to train a group of people. And one of the people that was invited by the client to participate said on the very first initial meeting, had never seen me do what I do, never watched a single video, never had more than two minutes of conversation with me, heard what I was going to be doing with the team and said, I've been in theater 25 years. What do you think you're going to teach me? I don't know. I have a client right now who asks me to work with their clients. And they've put more than 20,000 people on the stage in theater. And I help their clients with storytelling because I have a laser focus in that area. I don't know. The advice that's never sought, never asked for, never pursued, never received, never accepted, and never applied, that will be your most expensive advice. Because you will make mistakes under the auspices of your own arrogance that you've got it all figured out and you really don't need any help. My oldest son, for a while, was really interested in being a mechanic took a job in a mechanic shop, was learning as an apprentice under another mechanic when the transmission went out at his old classic truck. He decided along that same vein that he was going to do the work himself. He ordered a transmission, and when it came in, he put it in the truck himself. Uh, since then, something has gone wrong with that transmission. It was only days after he fixed it that it left him stranded on the side of the road. I haven't been under that truck but one time. I, I haven't watched him, supervised him, overseen him working on that transmission to know what exactly might have gone wrong or what was missing. He was determined to do it on his own. Uh, it's been two years. Truck hasn't moved. It's been sitting in storage. Why? Because he didn't want advice. He wanted to figure it out on his own. And I applaud him for the tenacity to say, I want to figure this out on my own. That's a, that's a great characteristic to have. But at some point, you've got to admit, I don't know. I just don't know. And in fact, I might be in that place where I don't know what I don't know, which is kind of the beginning of the learning curve. When you don't know what you don't know, that's called unconscious, uh, unconscious incompetence. I didn't know that I didn't know. Now, the next level of that is the conscious incompetence. I know I can't play basketball. I have... No agility. I have no ability to dribble the ball. I cannot shoot to save my life. I know I am incompetent at basketball. Now, there are certain things that I can do that if I pay enough attention to them, I can do them pretty good. Video editing would be in that category. It takes me some time. I know there are people that are much faster. There are people that have a, a much more natural eye for where the cut needs to be, where the divide needs to be, and, and when you use a J uh, edit 
and when to use an L and and how to place the audio at just the right place and and the sound engineering aspect of of what goes behind there they're masters at it I can get to it eventually if I'm really paying attention I'm really focusing but one phone call will throw me off and I have to start all over again conscious competence I can do it when I'm really really focused on it but there are some things that I've been working on for so long that I do them pretty much in my sleep Oh, you know, you do the same thing. You drive to your house and think, I don't even remember turning on my street, but here I am in my driveway. And you almost never accidentally pull into the neighbor's house. How weird is that? You could be on the phone and sending a text message at the same time while driving home and still end up in your driveway and not the neighbor's driveway. That's unconscious competence. You've done it so long for so, you've done it so well for so long that you just do it out of habit. It's natural to you now. It's It's easy peasy lemon squeezy. But taking advice from people who, well, they're not experts at what they do. They're full of opinions, but not information. And sometimes their opinions have a nefarious motive behind them. I watched a video on Facebook just a couple of days ago. It was really kind of ironic and and it makes me question um, exactly. And I, I can't tell you who it was that I was watching because I wasn't paying that much attention. Uh, they lost credibility really early on because they did one of the things that I cautioned my clients about. And that is telling someone else's story, first person, as if it happened to you when it didn't. Don't do that unless you want to damage your credibility. You'll notice John Maxwell When he tells a story from the stage that somebody else is, he holds up a postcard or a laminated sheet of paper and he shows you that this is from an article written in a magazine and such and such a date. And from that postcard, he will tell you exactly what the illustration is or the story is or the example is because it makes such a profound point. And that is a brilliant way to say, I'm reinforcing my own credibility by giving full credit to whomever this information came from. Telling somebody else's story as though it's yours will always destroy your credit. But I saw someone do it and they actually used a little video clip to prove it. He said the other day I was fishing and while I was fishing, I saw this guy with a bucket of crabs and he was catching one crab right after another and throwing them in the bucket, catching a crab, throwing it in the bucket, catching a crab, throwing it in the bucket. He probably had 10 or 12 crabs in this bucket. And as I'm watching him and I'm fishing, one of the crabs starts crawling out and I see him get his little pinchers up over the top of the bucket. He's about to make his escape and get away. And I, I turned to the fisherman and I said, hey, your, your crab's about to get out. And he goes, no, he's not. Just keep watching for a minute. All the other crabs, they're jealous of his success. They're jealous of his escape. They won't let him get away. And so I turned my attention back to the bucket. And sure enough, the crabs pulled the crab back in the bucket. They would not let him leave. The other crabs that were imprisoned with him didn't not only want to see his freedom and follow him, they didn't even want him to be free. Now, two lessons to learn from this story. Most of the people who comment on your social media are crabs in the bottom of your bucket. They don't want your success. They don't want you to be free. They don't want you to excel beyond them. They want to be the first one out of the bucket. Or... They're perfectly happy in the bottom of the bucket, being miserable, and their misery would love your company. That's the first lesson you should learn from that. The second is to learn, look, that illustration has been around for 100 plus years. 
to tell it as a first person, maybe it actually happened to you. Probably not, though. It's hard to sell it at this point as a first person experience because everybody's already heard the story. That damages your credibility. It makes people question, well, if you told me that as a first person story, what else were you lying about? Were you really there? Were you really fishing? Where were you fishing? What pier was it on? What kind of fish were you fishing for? What kind of bait did you have on your hook? Or is all of it made up? And see, the, the challenge with taking advice from someone like that when the best advice they have is to take somebody else's story and lie to you about it is that that's not a mentor, that's a tormentor. That's someone who's going to drive you crazy, giving you advice that they can't back up. They can tell you what they thought worked or what they saw work or what they heard from somebody else. I'm very reluctant. I, I meet people all the time. They're like, oh, you're a John Maxwell coach. And they start quoting the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. I don't do that. I can't tell you the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. Now, if you remind me, I probably have a story from each of the 21 different laws of my own life experience where I have applied that law and I saw it work. I don't want to regurgitate someone else's information. When I quote someone, I tell you I'm quoting someone. I've taken their advice. I've applied it to my life. Here's a big word for you. This is the word of the day for advice taking. Don't regurgitate someone's advice. Synthesize it. By that I mean apply it to your life, produce results, and then talk about the results that you produced. If that was good advice and you've applied it and it worked, you now have a solution. That makes you valuable. It's one thing to be able to regurgitate somebody else's information. It's an entirely different thing to apply it to your life and find the solutions applied. So, do you take advice as a leader from a coach from a mentor or from a tormentor? Let me really quickly give you the difference between a coach and a mentor. A coach is someone who's going to ask you thought-provoking, curiosity-based questions, like a good interviewer, to make you realize you probably already know the information, you just haven't really thought about it like that, or you've been intentionally lying to yourself and not really facing the problem because it scares you. A mentor is somebody who has been down that road before, They've crossed the bridge, they've climbed through the valleys, they've climbed over the hilltops, they've fought through the forest. They know the pathway, the good and the bad, the ugly and the trolls. And that mentor, they can save you a lot of time and a lot of money and usually a lot of pain because they've been there. The tour mentor, well, that's the troll under the bridge. You know, the troll on your social media account. The one who's always telling you, well, if you wouldn't wear those kind of clothes, you would look a whole lot better. It had nothing to do with what you were teaching or telling. Just some way for them to jab at you and yank you back in the bucket. Are you going to take advice from a coach? Are you take advice from a mentor? Or are you going to continue to let the words of tormentors batter around in your ears? Totally up to you. Just remember, advice is usually worth what you pay for it. If you paid nothing, that's what it's worth. If you paid a lot, it's probably going to cost you more to not take the advice than you paid to get it. And if you don't seek advice at all, you're leaning on your own understanding, that's the most expensive kind of advice in the world. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Lauren.
is a master teacher on storytelling and I learned so much. Um, I'm really going to have to sit down and go back through everything and I think I might have to have some more coffees with Lauren but uh, it was totally worth my time and I really highly recommend it if you're looking to grow your ministry, grow your business, uh, grow your career, uh, Lauren will serve you well. Thank you. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom.